You're listening to the Peak Performance Podcast with Dr. Robert Barton. As a chiropractor for over 24 years and the founder of Peak Performance Spine and Sports Medicine, Dr. Barton is here to help you reach your personal peak performance by discussing topics that impact your long-term health. Let's do this. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Peak Performance Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Robert Barton. Nice to have you on today. Uh, So as the question in the title of the podcast indicates, what I want to talk about today is should you get the vaccine? Should you get the vaccine for the coronavirus, COVID-19? And so I'm going to explain a few concepts, and then I'll answer the question at the end of the episode today. And let's get right into it. So first of all, let's talk about a little bit about the immune system and how the immune system works. The COVID-19 virus is a novel virus. That means uh, essentially it's never been seen before. So it's new, novel, and the immune system, all of our immune systems across the world, they haven't seen it before. So they don't really know how to react. And when a new virus or bacteria or pathogen is introduced to our systems, there is sometimes a delay. In fact, there's almost always a delay in terms of how the body is going to deal with that. It, it's almost like there's a meeting that takes place. And once you're exposed to a new pathogen that there's no previous recognition for, essentially your body goes through this process of kind of mobilizing the forces, almost like a meeting. It takes a few days. And so what happens with this COVID-19 is, and, and many other viruses as well, They attach onto cells and then they inject uh, instructions into those cells to basically make more virus. And that process destroys the cells and it releases more virus into your system. Those viruses attach to more cells, which give instructions to make more virus and then thus more virus is released. Now, as you can imagine, if this process takes place over a period of three days, four days, and then your body mobilizes a force in order to deal with it, the issue is that the force that the body uses to deal with the pathogen is creating what's called a cytokine storm. And so many of the people that are getting sick with COVID-19 to the point of hospitalization, pneumonia, uh, fluid in the lungs, that type of thing, it's actually their own immune system that is creating the fluid in the lungs. And so we call that the cytokine storm. And basically the body gets overwhelmed with the fighting of this virus. And, you know, it either makes us very, very sick in some cases. And in other cases, obviously, uh, people do not uh, win the battle. And then for others, they have little to no symptoms whatsoever. And that is what is so unique about this particular you know, condition, this particular virus, is the fact that obviously a lot of people do not have any symptoms whatsoever. And so it causes us to kind of let down our guard. But I have had a number of patients and I've talked to a number of people who have had COVID-19. I have not had it. I have had no symptoms. I've been tested about six different times mostly in relation to the surgery that I had about six months ago. And I've never tested positive, but I've talked to a lot of people who have had it, and some have had zero symptoms whatsoever, and then others have said that it's literally like the worst thing they've ever been through. And I don't know anybody directly who has lost their battle with COVID, but again, a lot of people have said that it's the worst experience they've ever had, and they don't wish it on anyone. 
So another issue with COVID that I want to kind of explain is there are a lot of cardiovascular events, uh, a lot of clotting events with COVID. And we hear this with pulmonary embolisms. We've seen peripheral clotting in terms of the extremities and uh, that Broadway star, for example, that lost his life to COVID that started in his leg. And it was a clotting event that created a situation where they actually had to amputate part of his leg. And then the uh, congressman, uh, the congressman-elect out of Louisiana who, who passed away, he had a sudden heart attack. There was a report of a 12-year-old girl or, or a, a very young girl. She was in the hospital. She had had a cardiac arrest as well due to a clotting event. And so the unknown with COVID-19 is the idea that we don't know how our bodies are going to respond to these clotting events. It creates an inflammatory situation within your blood vessels and that creates a clot and if you have that clot in your brain it's a big problem it's called a stroke if you have it in your lungs you could potentially just literally die uh, suddenly just from uh, suffocation and then of course in your heart you limit your heart's ability to take on oxygen through the coronary arteries so you don't want COVID because you don't want to take the chance of your body having a negative clotting event that would really be catastrophic. Now, if you compare COVID to the flu, for example, we know how the flu, you know, kind of responds to people. We, we know that you don't have a lot of problems after you get the flu. There's not this post-flu symptomology. And a lot of people are having post-COVID symptomology. So, you know, that's another thing that just kind of says you don't want to get COVID. Now, when the vaccines first came out, I was a little bit surprised at how many people were really resistant to the idea of the vaccines. And despite the fact that our society has obviously been very much affected, there's a lot of unsurety, there's a lot of insecurity with regard to how COVID is affecting society as a whole, whether it be from an economic standpoint just the getting the virus and surviving it standpoint. Uh, there's a lot of insecurity with regard to this. However, many people have indicated that they are not going to get the vaccine. And a lot of that is because they say, well, it was, it was rushed. They rushed the production or, you know, something of that nature. That's a very common uh, sentiment that I've, that I've heard. And so I want to talk about different types of vaccines, and at least the major ones. There are about there, there are a whole bunch of different types of vaccines, but I'm going to talk about the major ones. So the first type of vaccine that we have taken is a live attenuated virus, and the MMR and the chickenpox are examples of a live attenuated virus. Now, what's interesting about a live attenuated virus vaccine is it's a little bit more dangerous to give to immunocompromised individuals. And immunocompromised individuals are the very people we're trying to protect the most from COVID-19. So the type of vaccine that these first few types that have come out are not live attenuated viruses. They're messenger RNA vaccines. So they're not even the same type whatsoever. So that's good. The next type of vaccine that we have are called inactivated vaccines. And they contain a dead version of the virus or a portion of that dead version or bacteria. It can be a bacteria or virus. And the flu and the polio are both inactivated vaccines. So, you know, polio, for example, that is not something that anyone wants any part of. I have seen many, many patients over the years who have had polio. 
and it really wrecks your nervous system and it it leaves some people with obvious effects from the fact that they've had polio and then other people you can't really see the effects but they have just ongoing weakness they have a problem with exercising there's a lot of problems that come from having polio and obviously most of us have had polio vaccine and that is an inactivated vaccine but we have that because we don't want any part of polio and I would argue that COVID-19 is, is very similar to that. You don't want any part of COVID-19 because it's so unpredictable in terms of how your body's going to respond to it. And we don't even know the late effects of having COVID as well. Those are yet to be determined, and we won't know those for a number of years now. Now, we have the messenger RNA vaccine, which is what these Pfizer, the Moderna, and I believe the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is also a messenger RNA vaccine. And what's really interesting about the mRNA vaccine is that that technology has been being studied for about 10 years, maybe even over 10 years. And so when we talk about the idea that they rushed it to production or anything like that, this technology has been under study for a decade. And basically what they're doing is they just applied the technology to this particular situation. And so what a messenger RNA vaccine does is it takes the that spike so everyone um, probably has seen a picture of covid or, or an artist depiction of covid and it's basically kind of a circle with these little spikes or crowns that come off of the circle and those are what attach on to the cells almost they're almost like sticky and they attach onto the cells and that is the unique identifier for covid so what the scientists have done is they identified that spike which is pretty amazing from a genetic standpoint. And they made basically a genetic instruction that when it attaches to our cells, our cells then make that spike. It's almost like they grow a spike of their own. And then your body then has the opportunity to see that spike, recognize it for something that should not be there. And then it has that three-day meeting, that four-day delay, whatever, you know, we were talking about that earlier. And essentially it revs up antibodies to be able to deal with that particular spike. And what that does is it builds up an army so that when you get exposed to the virus, for real, if you get exposed, your immune system doesn't have that three or four day delay. And so what happens is you kill the virus before the numbers get too high. And this is very likely the reason that some people do better with COVID and some people don't do as well is basically how their immune system responds to it, obviously, right? I mean, that's that's not rocket science in and of itself, but some people just, they don't let the virus get too much on top of them in, in terms of the numbers of virus particles, and so they fight it off. Now, there also is a question of exposure. Some people who have a heavy exposure and they have a lot of virus that comes into their body they can't overcome that amount of virus, and you know, so it's literally a matter of dose. But nonetheless, when we instruct ourselves to grow that little spike, and then our immune system can build up an army to recognize that and deal with that, it gives your body a tremendous head start. And with 95% effectiveness and the safety rate, they combine the phase two and the phase three trials for this vaccine or these vaccines, and that's one of the main reasons why they, they were brought to market so quickly. But it's not as if they didn't really cut any corners, I would say, and they just sped some things up where they could in order to bring it to market faster, because obviously we need to get past this. We need to get people vaccinated so that, you know, people aren't at risk for their lives, much less their livelihoods. 
So they ended up testing the, the vaccine on over 50,000 subjects uh, per study, and that's a lot of people. And to gain 95% effectiveness is, I think, pretty remarkable. And if you think about it, you know, on, on several fronts, if this pandemic had hit even 20 years ago, uh, let's just say 2001 or so, our response to it would have been completely different. You know, how thankful should we be? And the answer is very thankful that it happened when it happened for several reasons. One, we had already been studying this genetic mapping. They, they could isolate the genetic code of really the, the entire human genome, much less viruses and bacteria and that type of thing. And they developed the technology to be able to even create a vaccine so fast that 95% of people were protected from the virus from a new vaccine that was created within a year. That in and of itself is amazing. And 20 years ago, that would not have been possible. Now, let's think about the response we've had to COVID. Travel has been down tremendously. So certain types of commerce, you know, people would travel for uh, all kinds of, you know, business meetings and conferences and, and that type of thing. And all that went virtual. Now, imagine 20 years ago, we didn't have high-speed internet in just about every household. Now, I know some people do not have high-speed internet from the standpoint of, of schools. Uh, a lot of school children, that's a gap. But 20 years ago, that gap was much, much greater and so schooling would have taken a big hit or the education process business would have taken a big hit lots and lots of commerce would have taken a huge hit so i think the fact that covid happened when it happened in my lifetime i was born in 1971 so i didn't really appreciate that this type of thing could happen but it obviously has happened in human history a number of times but how good is it that it happened when it happened and that our technology was able to close the gap in terms of how it affected our lives, both from a vaccination and medical standpoint, as well as getting on with commerce and, and trying, to, trying to bridge that gap where, where we could in terms of education, in terms of business meetings, conferences, all those things. The technology was there. The infrastructure was there. Zoom was there. You know, all the things that we have that we've been able to, you know, kind of keep things going a little bit with regard to, uh, to business. So some of the obvious benefits of messenger RNA vaccines are, one, it's fast to develop. Uh, you know, of course, in this case, they were able to develop this vaccine in less than a year, go through phase two, phase three trials, phase one, phase two, phase three, basically determined that it was safe, determined that it was effective, 95% effectiveness across the population that, it that was studied. And then the next one is that it has few side effects because only a small part of that virus is recreated. So in other words, you're, again, your body is recreating that spike protein so that your cells can come in and recognize that protein as a problem. They build up an army so that your body can recognize the corona or COVID-19 virus much, much quicker and deal with it so that the replication process doesn't happen over a period of three to four days. And then you get that cytokine storm where your immune system rushes in trying to deal with all of this, you know, virus activity. And then you basically drowned in your own immune system's attempt to rid yourself of the virus. That's what's happening to people. So with the clotting events, with the risk of not only infection, but transmitting the virus to people who may not have the immune system that you do, 
So even if you were asymptomatic and then you passed the virus to someone else, obviously these are these are bad situations, and this is why this virus is so different from others. And we have to do all that we can in order to minimize our exposure, individual exposure, but also our loved ones' exposures. So that begs the question, should we take the vaccine now or later? And I would overwhelmingly say you should get the vaccine as soon as you're able to. I was able to get my vaccine a week ago from this recording, and I had a sore arm for about three days, about three or four hours after the vaccine was administered. I could kind of feel it when I lifted my arm. I could feel that it was a little bit sore. But overall, it was no big deal whatsoever. I didn't even feel the administration of the vaccine. I actually got it on video, but I did not feel it. And so I got the Moderna vaccine, and I'll be going in about three weeks from now to get my second dose. And the lady at one of the healthcare workers at the facility where I was at, she said, keep this little slip of paper, this little slip they give you. She said, keep that because you are very privileged in the world to have been able to receive this and receive this vaccine. It may come to when we travel in the future, we may have to have proof that we've had the COVID-19 vaccine in order to enter other countries. So, you know, with that, you know, our country, our administration, our government has taken great steps and spent a lot of money to bring these vaccines to the population so that we can ultimately be protected against COVID-19 and get back to normal in terms of our lives. And I'm looking forward to that. I know that many of you are as well. Looking forward to not having to wear a mask everywhere. That's going to be a little while from now, but you know we're moving in that direction. And as the population is vaccinated, you know we're going to just see less and less virus activity. And I'm very thankful for that myself. So with that, hope that helps a little bit clear up the idea that you know you should get the vaccine sooner than later. I don't think there's any. I just don't think there's more risk than what you need to read into it. There's been no evidence of that. Few little immune reactions here and there, but that's with almost anything like this. So I will talk to you in the next episode. You take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Peak Performance Podcast with Dr. Robert Barton. Visit Peak Performance Spine and Sports Medicine at peakclinics.com. That's peakclinics.com. Thanks again for listening. 